بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله حمد يوافي نعمه ويكافئ مزيده يا ربنا لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك وعظيم سلطانك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم You guys need some desks? I mean I know they're like that color the first Okay so you're guys that's my father's job Yeah, you can pick it like four or five times, really. Yeah. Inshallah. So we discussed many, many, a lot of things yesterday. You know one of your students. Must be one of our guys. So, I'm going to ask a few questions here. And so whoever wants to answer this window. So, the first thing he said, right, was he talked about if you intend with your knowledge, right, three or four things, right, and there's no point of seeking your knowledge, right, there's no point of even being in this gathering. So what are those things that he mentioned? I'll give you the Arabic word, and then you guys see it, you should figure out it. Al-Munafasa. What is Al-Munafasa? To show up. Yes, to show up. Right? What about uh, Mubahat? To compete. To compete, right? MashaAllah. And what Taqadjuma al Aqran? Is that worthy benefit? Huh? Is that worthy benefit? Taqadjuma al Aqran means to, to be better than your peers. Right? To? Wait, what's the difference between competition and being better than your peers? So, competition here, it mentions that. Uh, yeah, so here actually, and Munafa says to compete, to show off. So the reason why he's staying here to compete, when, you, when it comes to a person, you think he know, you, you know more than him, and he has the same mindset. And you guys are just competing, oh, I know this, you know that. You're going back and forth for no reason. When in reality, you don't, both of you guys don't know anything. Right? <laughs> That's what he means by showing off. And then, outdoing your peers is such that, you know, if, if I myself were to, like, you know, go with, like, you know, be able to, oh, yeah, you know, you don't know anything, bro. Right, what's it called? Uh, you know, I know all this stuff. Right? That's basically outdoing your peer. Right? Your, your intention there is so I can learn. So everybody that's, in, that, that's my age or something like that, that's my peer or my friend, I can be like the top dog. You know what I'm saying? So that's what he's, that's what he's saying here. And the last one he mentioned here, what right? To incline people towards yourself. Right? With the ilm and knowledge that you get, right? You can, you're, you're trying to get people, you're calling people towards yourself. Rather than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what people do in, in churches, right? If you've ever been to a church, if you ever see how they do it, the priest, a lot of times he's calling to himself, right? So I, actually, I don't know if you guys know this. You know how they, like, they pay their dues, right? A lot of that, a good a vast majority of that goes to the priest. I don't know if oh, you all know that. Yeah, a lot, a, a good chunk of it goes to the priest, right? So anyway, but he's saying, don't ever call yourself, or don't ever, uh, don't ever call people to yourself, call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those are the four things that he mentioned here. And actually, no, one more thing, right? He said, Obviously, to gain any worldly, uh, uh, any worldly pleasure or any worldly desire, do not use your ilm for anything for that reason. So that's what, that's, what, that's what he talked about here. And then he mentioned three types of people. Actually, no, uh, Ismail, you want to explain to me the def definition between, uh, between hidayah and ilm? So what is ilm and what is hidayah? Ilm <laughs> 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 is um, knowledge, and then hidayat is like a guidance. So how would you explain that? Like, so if I'm like, is like yeah. outwardly, 
in the hidayat is in. Yeah, so that's good, mashallah. So ilm, you have knowledge, right? Alhamdulillah, we all have knowledge uh, to a certain extent. But now when we take that knowledge and there is no benefit from... In our, so ilm is the external, right? We have knowledge, uh, that's the outward. But the inward is that if you actually got guidance from that knowledge itself... Then you're going to see a difference in your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? The connection of how you teach the religion, right? So that's what he's saying here. That make sure that, uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, the hidayah, uh, the ilm. Make sure your ilm is in conformity with your hidayah. Right? That's very, very important to have the knowledge with the hidayah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those two have to go together, right? So khayr inshaAllah. And then the, we talked about three different types of tulab al-ilm. Three types of people who study in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is the first type that he mentioned yesterday? Anybody? The, the best type. The one who gets knowledge for the pleasure of Allah and for his afterlife. His afterlife. And then Rahma was the second one? Time and word. No, Anybody, no, anybody no, can answer, inshaAllah. The second one was that he uses it for like his pursuit like for mm-hmm. worship, pleasures. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it to like yeah. his wealth and all that stuff? Yeah. But is it too late for this guy? Uh, no, he can seek forgiveness, but uh, if he doesn't seek forgiveness, then... Yeah, it's between him and Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very good, mashallah. And the third and final person. Shaitan takes over him. Yeah, shaitan. Shaitan has this complete grasp over him. That there is basically no hope for this guy because he himself has made himself believe that the knowledge that I'm teaching, that, you know, he believes in himself that I have a strong connection with Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. In reality, he's calling people again towards himself and he's using, that, uh, he's using that knowledge of his to call people towards himself, right? And we talked about kibbutz and we talked about all these different types of things yesterday. So inshallah, these, this is just a, like, a, you know, just a rough draft or like, you know, just a, what we talked about in class yesterday. And he mentioned a lot of other things, but it's, it's, a lot of stuff is very, very deep and stuff like that. I have a question? Yeah, was the third person that you said, the last guy, is he the one that uh, he believes in himself that he has some sort of like significance towards like, yeah, in, like Allah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he feels like he thinks he's something. He actually believes in himself. He has convinced himself that he has a strong connection with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Even though deep down he knows intention. Remember we talked about yesterday. Nobody's gonna know your intention except yourself, right? Nobody's gonna truly know your intention except yourself. So here we're not gonna be able to know what his intention is. But on Yom Qiyamah, when this person, remember we talked about the three people that are gonna, the the first uh, the three people that are gonna come Yom Qiyamah is gonna be who? The Qari or the Alim, the learned person or the person who recited the Quran. The second one was who? The martyr. The martyr. And the third person was? The one who gives charity. So the first person who studied knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's going to be, Allah is going to ask him, that what, I've given you so many ni'mas in life. I've given you so many blessings and so many, you know, bounties. What have you done with this knowledge that I have given you? He says, Ya Allah, I, what's it called? I, I learned your knowledge and I did, took, took this and I guided people towards the right path and all these different types of things. Right? Allah is going to say, you're a liar. Right? You only did these things so people can call you, you know, a shaykh or maulana or whatever you want to say. Right? And Allah is going to fling him in the fire of Jahannam. Right? So this is something that we all should seek refuge from and get it out of our minds. That whatever we're learning here, inshallah, and whatever we're learning from, from this point onwards, is solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember I talked about yesterday, renewing your intention is very, very important. Always renew your intention with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever it may be. Whether it's, uh, you know, even if it's not related to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, always renew your intention. Because insan is such that when you start off with an intention, it can always get corrupted later on. Always, always, always get corrupted later on. So that's why the ulama, and remember when I talked about what is the first hadith that a lot of muhadithin mentioned in their book? 
It's إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ That indeed all actions are based according to an intention. And then the next part of the hadith mentions وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مَنِيٍّ مَا نَوَى That indeed every single person will get whatever he intended for. Right? Whatever he intends, that's what he's going to get. خَيْرٌ شَاءَاللَّهُ I have a quick question. Yeah, what's up? For the three types of people, right? So the difference between the second type and the third type is the second type, he does it for uh, to get the worldly uh, things and the third person gets it to attract people to himself. So I'll go over this one more time, inshallah. It's a very good question. So he says here, um, let's see. Yeah, okay. So now he talks about, we'll go over the three people again. So the first person, he says, رَجْلٌ طَلَبَ الْعِلْمَ لِيَدَّخِرَهُ زَادًا إِلَى الْمَعَالِ That there is a, uh, so with the first type of person who is seeking knowledge, he's doing for, for what reason? لِيَدَّخِرَهُ زَادًا إِلَى الْمَعَالِ He's using that as a provision to gain his akhirah, right? To make his akhirah with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what he wants to do, right? And this person, uh, what, what is the reward for this person? He says here, he just has no other intention except to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right? and, and to gain akhirah This person, he's successful, he made it right? Because now his intention is pure And like I said, we're not going to know this until we have this intention in ourselves That's why I keep giving so much emphasis And that's why Imam Ghazali himself is saying that Always, always renew your intention Right? And then the second one, he says Right? He uses, that's a second, is a man who seeks knowledge to assist him in his present life um, and attain by, by honor, good standing, and wealth. And then he continues, he says, he is aware of what he's doing. Right? He says here, He is aware of what he's doing and feels in his heart that his state is not good and his intention is not right. So this is the difference here. Awareness. That's yeah, the, the awareness is the difference, right? Now, this third person, this person is completely unaware. He's like, dude, I'm the guy, man. Like, I have, I have my connection with Allah. I'm straight, right? But that's the difference here. This person, he knows in his heart, but this person doesn't even care. The third person has no care. He's like, you know what? I, I'm good with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's it. And then on the day of Qiyamah, he's going to find out. And then that's the same thing where he talked about, right? Over here, he says... Um, the way that he dresses, he dresses like the ulama. And then, you know, he tries to speak like the ulama and all and the scholars. But, you know, in reality, we know. Right? He is amongst those people who are going to be destroyed. And then, Like every single hope that a person would have for this guy to make tawbah, it's gone. Because he thinks himself that he is amongst the uh, uh, people that do good. If a person already thinks that I'm doing good, how are you going to convince him that he's, that, that, that he's not? If a person is so into, like, that, you know, like in himself that he truly, truly believes that I'm a good person, right? If a person says that he's a good person, he's not a good person, right? That's one thing that's it's a, tr a true fact in life. If someone tells you, I'm a good person, man. No, you're not a good person because a good person will never say that they're a good person, right? A person that is good, they will keep themselves humble, right? That I'm nobody. And this is exactly what we learn from our ulama and scholars. Anytime they write a book or anytime they would be that they were talked about. Later on, their students are the ones who say, you know, a shaykh, this so-and-so. But if you read their books, they say, al-miskeen, al-muhtaj, al-maghfirati rabbi, the one who is a poor person, the one who, is, uh, who needs the forgiveness of his Lord. This is how they would um, describe themselves. You know, Mulana Ashraf a very famous scholar, he's from India. He used to say that I'm worse than a dog. He said, I am worse than a dog. Why? Because at least the dog knows how to obey his master. At least the dog knows how to obey his master. And subhanAllah, look where we are. 
right? We don't even know how to obey our master. And this is a scholar talking here, right? This is Mulana Ashrafayn Tabi, such a very big scholar, and we think we're something. This is why Imam Ghazali is saying over and over and over again that look, you guys are nothing. Don't ever think that you're something. Alright? Khayyin inshallah. So we're going to continue. Should we start now from we left off yesterday? So now we're going to continue from this hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, He says, there are some people, he, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is mentioning this hadith, right? He said, there are, some, uh, there are some that I fear more for you than I do Dajjal. People asked, right? Who are these people? Right? He said those evil scholars. Right? And he says, in another hadith of Prophet he says, that there is going to come such a time where the masajid will be so big, nice, and beautiful, right? but they'll be completely void of any guidance. And subhanAllah, what is going on in the world today? Right? I recently went to Abu Dhabi, right? I don't know, a lot of you probably went to Abu Dhabi before too. You guys ever been to Sheikh Zayed Mosque? Uh, you've seen that it's, it's, like a, it's like a museum now, right? Same thing the Hadith of the Prophet It is completely void. That the ulama, that they're going to be the worst people underneath the sky. This is talking about towards the times of Qiyamah. That what's going to happen, that the true ulama are going to be raised, right? That true knowledge is going to be raised up. That knowledge will be, you know what qabda is? Qabda is literally to grasp, to grasp something and take it away. Right? And then how is it? That the ulama and the true scholars are going to be taken away from these people. And then the people, what are they going to take as their leaders? The juhal, the ignorant. And now the hadith at the end talks about that they are going to be misguided themselves and they are going to misguide other people. Right? And this is a very common practice today, that we take knowledge from any, any source without even making sure if it's a correct source or not. We'll go on Google, right? This is the biggest fitna, right? Going on Google and, and searching something is the worst thing a person can do with themselves. Why? Because on Google, literally anybody can put anything. Even if it's a non-Muslim, even if it's an atheist, even if it's somebody like, you know, has no knowledge whatsoever, anybody can put anything on Google. So this is something to, for us to wake up, that subhanAllah, whenever we're getting our knowledge from somebody, we make sure they have a direct chain link back to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa That is the only way we're going to be able to seek true knowledge. Right? So that's why he's saying here, this is why I fear these people more than Dajjal, because he, and then he continues, he says, وَهَذَا, and now he's explained the reason. And the reason why I'm saying is, لِأَنَّ Dajjal غَايَتُهُ الْإِضْلَالِ we know the Jal is coming to misguide us, right? That's his end goal. He, we know from the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ that the Jal is coming to misguide us. So we already know that in our mind, but what about the ulama that are, are the ulama of Su? We don't know that. That's why Rasulullah has that fear. He says, And he says, And if the likes of a scholar urge people away from this world by their speech and statements, yeah. They actively invite them uh, through it, uh, uh, them to it through their actions and state. Uh, this, subhanAllah, is very beautiful. Like, you know how we say actions speak louder than words? This is exactly what he's saying. I want you guys to memorize this in Arabic. Right? It sounds so beautiful in Arabic. English, subhanAllah, is such a da'if and such a weak language. Right? Arabic says the, the, the beautiful rhetoric and balagha behind it. Right? If you were to translate this like, you know, 
Actually, if, if like you know, straight up, I'm I'm just I'm not gonna. Like, one thing about the Arabic language you have to you guys have to understand is that you can't translate it word to word, right? From word to word, it gets very. It sounds very weird. But I'm gonna try and translate it here for you guys just to get an idea. What lisan al So lisan means tongue, right? Lisan al The tongue of a person's state, right? Antaqu speaks more about him min lisan al than the tongue of his statement. So it's kind of confusing, right? It's like what? What's all this? Tongue talk about right? It's just, right? It's just straight up. He's like, you know what? Their actions speak louder than words, right? And his وَطِبَاعُ النَّاسِ إِلَى الْمُسَاعَدَةِ فِي الْأَعْمَالِ أَمْ يَلُو مِنْهَا إِلَى الْمُتَابَعَةِ فِي الْأَقْوَالِ And he says, this is because actions speak louder than words, and human nature is such that it is inclined more to take part in what is done than to obey what is said. Subhanallah, right? That when we see something, we're automatically inc- inclined towards that. We don't look at, you know, what the person is saying half the time. This is what he's mentioning here. Again, I'm going to read it one more time so we can understand. He said, this is because actions speak louder than words and human nature is such that it is inclined more to take part in what is done than to obey, uh, than to obey what is said. Right? How is that? I'm going to give you a, a very good example right here. All right? If I tell you, Rahmat, don't think about your sweater. What's the first thing you do? Immediately think about your sweater, right? That's the first thing. We do not care about much of the, what, what the tongue is to say. Insan is such that our instinct automatically is to uh, disobey, right? It's to, dis- it's, it's to disobey. If I tell you not to think about something, you're going to think about it right away. So when we look at actions of, you know, of, of, the, of these people, like he's mentioning here, the ulama, he's mentioning the characteristics, uh, characteristics of the ulama, the scholars uh, that are evil. That when people see these people you know, doing such good things and all this, like, we don't know their intention behind it. Even though our intention is pure, that's why it's very, very important that he says, that look and analyze who you take your knowledge from. It's very, very important because these same people, they're going to take us down with them. They're going to take us down with them. Right? So he says, so he says, for how much more corruption indeed will the actions of this deluded man cause than any good brought about his words? And then he says, since the ignorant man only throws himself into pursuit of worldly things after he sees the scholars doing so. And subhanAllah, right? That once the scholars are doing something, that's why it's very, very important that you know, you so, we all surround ourselves with, like I said, scholars that have good habits. Right? Scholars that, you know, that, are, unable, that are able to you know, uh, properly make you understand what the, the, the lifestyle of the Prophet ﷺ is. Because the ulama and scholars, they are known as what? The inheritors of the Anbiya right? And when a person inherits something, he should inherit, inherit the traits of the Prophet ﷺ, right? He should inherit all those kind of things, which is uh, was, uh, from Rasulullah can, can we turn that fan on? I, I don't know if it's kind of musty in here or if it's just me. I don't know. But khayr um, Allah. Yeah, I wish they had some pull, pull the, system in here, but it's just... You can put on two, yeah. Anyway, so that's what he's saying here. Since the ignorant man only throws himself into pursuit of worldly things after he sees the scholars doing so. Thus, the deluded scholar, he says, And then he says, uh, Thus, the deluded scholar's uh, knowledge becomes the very cause of the servants of Allah daring to disobey him. Uh, yeah. And then he says, He says, Despite this, his ignorant lower self gives him assurance 
filling him with hope and desire, calling him to ex uh, expect favors from Allah as a result of his knowledge, and evil inciting soul makes him believe that he is superior of his servants, uh, uh, many of his servants. These all are the characteristics that we should be staying away from. Right, we should all take heed from what Imam Ghazali is saying here because now we're all on the path of knowledge, right? We are all seeking this sacred and divine knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whatever characteristics he's mentioning here, inshallah, you guys may be a leader one day as well. You guys are going to have to teach your kids and you're going to have to probably teach other people. Now, if you have bad habits or if your intentions are wrong as well, that's going to become a means of you to move away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you know, you're going to keep convincing yourself that, oh, Allah loves me, Allah, I'm such a good person in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always humble yourself. Always humble yourself. The hadith, what did I mention yesterday? Whosoever has humbleness, what will Allah do? Man rafa'ahullah. Whosoever has his humbleness, Allah will raise him in ranks. Man takabbara, and whosoever has his pride, wada'ahullah. Allah will put him down. Right? Allah will put him, because in another hadith, in the hadith of Qudsi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions, that al-kibriya'u ridai, al-kibriya'u ridai, that this pride that people love to, you know, to boast about themselves, this is the garment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? That kibr and pride is all for Allah, it's not for us. So we need, to, we need to do ourselves a favor and stay away from that garment, which is the pride that, we, that, that sleeps into our heart every time we, we, we do something or we accomplish something. Right? This, is, this is a very big disease, and it's a spiritual disease, is because our nafs and shaitan make us think we're something. Right? And they make us think that, oh, subhanAllah, you know, uh, I, I can recite Quran very well, or I'm able to do this very well, I'm able to do that. Right? And this is what Allah and His Rasul is trying to say, do not, do not deceive yourself. Do not deceive yourself. Because at the end of the day, you're not harming anybody else, you're only harming yourself. And then He says, Yeah, okay. وَتُخَيِّلُ إِلَيْهِ نَفْسُهُ أَلَمْ أَمَّارَ أَنَّهُ خَيْرٌ مِنْ كَثِيرٌ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ That he thinks he's better than everybody else. Right? He thinks he's better than everybody else. Which is, and then remember I talked about Nafsul Amara yesterday? So who can explain what Nafsul Amara is? It always drives you towards evil. There's three types of Nafs though. Alright, there's three types of Nafs. So what are the three types? I didn't mention the explanation. Nafsul Mutma'inna. Nafsul Lawama. And the last one he mentioned? Nafsul Amara. So we're going to all do this in detail inshallah over the course of this book. And then, yeah, so khayr. And now he, now he goes back, he says, فَكُنْ أَيُّهَا الطالب. So now he's saying, look, all you who is seeking this knowledge, talking to all of us, imagine Imam Ghazali is talking to you personally, on a personal level, one-on-one. فَكُنْ أَيُّهَا الطالب. Right? And he's not saying طَالِبُونَ or like, you know, he's not using a plural form here. That means he's talking to you, the reader, directly. أَيُّهَا الطالب مِنَ الْفَرِيقِ الْأَوَّلِ Be from the first type. What was the first type? The one who uses his knowledge... And that hidayah too, for his, yeah, for provisions for the akhirah. Be of the first type, right? Right? And then he says, be careful, right? It's like a warning, it's a caution, right? Don't become from the second type. Right? He says, beware, do not allow yourself to be the, uh, he says, Dare not be of the second class for how, for how many a procrastinator dies before he repents and forfeits everything. Right? Remember I said yesterday that I said if you guys ever think about doing a good deed, do it right away. Don't ever, don't ever wait. Because we never know when our ajal comes. Our ajal is that time where we're going to return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whenever we think of doing a good deed, whether it's, okay, you know what? I feel like giving sadaqah. All right, I'm going to go give sadaqah right now. 
Because thing is, inside the sense that we procrastinate so much. All right, you guys take exams, all right? We, we procrastinate all the time. Right? It's, a, it's a constant thing. We just procrastinate and procrastinate. And especially when it comes to the deen of Allah, right? I'm talking about myself here. Bohr is very late nowadays. It's like, oh, maybe I can sleep until 5, right? Maybe 5.30. No, we are now, now we are pushing our limit. Right now we are getting into the time where it's makruf to pay, pray because now you're getting very close to the other time, right? We have to understand what is Allah There are certain times that we have to pray. There are certain certain times we have to pray. So as soon as that time comes in, we try our best. So you know what? It's time for prayer. We hear the adhan. That's it. I have to pray. Right? My Allah is calling me. Imagine for for those even for, if we if we sometimes don't even feel like praying. We should think about it like this. Maybe Allah doesn't want to see me today. Right? Do you ever think about it like that? Maybe Allah just doesn't want to see me at all. And SubhanAllah. That will wake us up. And like, you know, Allah doesn't want to see me? What? If we're not able to come to the masjid, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where we are a guest, and this is the biggest problem I have with masajid, right? Masajid, you come here, it's just like a, a hub of political, like Pakistani politics, right? Every, and that's the, I'm not talking about this masjid, but masajid in general. It's like, you know what, uh, Pervez Musharraf, whatever his name, I don't even know, I don't even keep, I don't even keep, uh, you know, I don't even keep track of all the stuff they're talking about, right? But I'm saying that a masjid, when you come to a masjid, you're coming to connect yourself back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That connection we're not going to find, right? We're not going to find anywhere else. When you are coming to the house of Allah, you are a guest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now imagine if I were to come to your house, right? If I were to come to your house and I wasn't paying any attention to you. Right, you invited me over, mashallah, you made me all this food and all this, and I'm just sitting there, yeah, dude, so I'm like, forget about this guy, I'm just going to talk to my friend over here. Imagine that. Now we're coming to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we're over here not even focusing on Allah. Right? We're not even worried about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're worried about the cricket game last night, or whatever, what, what, what we're going to do for suhoor and all these different types of things. When we're in the masjid, or we are in the masjid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we must focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. Right? It is you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The hadith of the Prophet mentioned what? As-salatu mi'raj al-mu'mineen. The salah. Right? The prayer is an ascension for the believers. Just how Rasulullah got this amazing gift of salah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam, first I want you guys to recognize how blessed we are to be amongst the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu Right? Just that blessing in itself right? is such an amazing blessing. Some Anbiya, some prophets themselves wished that they could be amongst the Ummah of Rasulullah The Ummah himself. And we have been given this ni'mah for free. Right? We are born to the Ummah of Rasulullah And if you guys have noticed, right? If you, know, if you uh, have any convert friends, you notice that once, once they become a Muslim, they, their life changes completely. Because they value it. They know what they have found. And we we just been given to Rasulullah We were born Muslim. So now we're just, oh, okay, you know, it's just, that's just how it is. I guess I'm just Muslim, right? So that's something we need to cherish. It's something we need to wake up to. We need to cherish our religion. Right? It's such a beautiful religion. Islam does not lack clarity. Any question you have, any concern you have, the, the, the answer is there in Islam. The pro, uh, you know, it, it comes to us and it's up to us if we want to go out and seek that knowledge. And alhamdulillah, we're all sitting here together and seeking this knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, getting back to the point. It's a small tangent I want to go on. Okay, inshallah. So he says, uh, he said, uh, that beware, and again, beware that you become of the third type. Right? Which is? The worst type. Right? The worst. You know how to say, what was it? Uh, I forgot off the top of my head. If I remember, I'll say it. But what's it called? Uh, he's saying here that 
do not ever even get close. Iyaka thumma iyaka. That again, dude, do not get close to this, right? Do not get anywhere near this maqam to where you think you're something and to where now you're calling people towards yourself and you have, you, you somehow convinced yourself that you are something in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in reality, we're nothing, right? Allah does not need us. We need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need Allah's provisions. We need all these ni'mas that Allah has given to us, right? Now, فَتَهْلِكَ هَلَاكٍ لَا يُرْجَى مَعَهُ فَلَاحُكُ وَلَا يُنْتَظَرُ صَلَاحُكُ Right, he says that above all, be, uh, be, uh, be aware to not allow yourself by any means to be a third class and end your life wretchedly, utterly bereft of hope for success of, or salvation. Now he's going to ask a question. He says, فَإِنْ قُلْتَ Now if you say, فَمَا بِدَايَةِ الْهِدَايَةِ لِأُجَرِّبَ النَّفْسِ فِيهَا What is the beginning of guidance? That I may test myself thereby. Fa'alam. And he answers the question too. Understand very well. What is the first lesson here? That the first, if you want to start off gaining this hidayah, the first thing you need to do is You need to have taqwa. You need to have this consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? You guys remember the different, different, different definitions that uh, Umar Ahmad gave of taqwa? Right? The different, he mentioned so many different things. Right? God consciousness and all these other types of things. So that's the first thing we need to do. And subhanAllah, it's crazy that what is the main purpose of Ramadan? To talk about taqwa, right? And subhanAllah, we're sitting here talking about the first thing we need to do is build our taqwa. Build that consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's three things that a person needs in his life to get to gain. Oh, my dad's calling. Ignore that. <laughs> anyway, what's it called? Uh, there's three things that a person needs. The first thing is to recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the first, first step. It's to recognize Allah. Once that recognition is there, then you'll be able to, uh, to adopt your taqwa. Right? Then you'll be able to adopt your taqwa. Once you get your taqwa in that consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? then you'll be able to reach al-ihsan. We know what ihsan is? The hadith of Jibreel talks about it, right? Mal-ihsan. When he asked Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what is this ihsan? What is this perfection in the ibadah of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? He says, أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ That you worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as if you see Him right in front of you. As if you see Allah right in front of you. فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ But if you cannot do so, that where you see Allah in front of you, then فَإِنَّهُ يُرَاتَ Know that Allah is watching you. These are the steps right here. The, 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 these three things. Ma'rifa, then you go to taqwa, then you go to ihsan. Ihsan is the, the highest stage you can reach when it comes to ibadah. But it's not easy to get there. Right? It requires a lot of work in our nafs, in our soul. Anyway, so getting back. He says, um, So the first thing is you have to have ظاهر taqwa, And the second thing is you need to have inner taqwa. Right? So both. They both play a part. What is having, remember you can't, you can't just have the outward and not have the inward, right? You have to have both. So have taqwa out and, and, and the you know, apparent, you know, where, what's it called? You see the, you're, you're a pious person and inwardly yourself, right? Always have this taqwa and this God consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because your inward will keep your outward in check, right? Your thoughts of you even getting close to a per, being a person that, that thinks he's somebody, if your inner is correct, then automatically that, that thought will be removed from your mind, right? This is a, this is a, this is a spiritual disease. Right, this kibbutz and, and pride—it's a spiritual disease because our nafs and our what's it called in our um, our desires and our shaitan—they they make us think we're something. They hype us up. They're like, oh, you know what? You're something. You know, mashallah. You're hafiz, or you know, you're you're this, you're that, you're all this. This is what because our our what's it called? We have not worked on our nafs and our carnal desires first. 
So we need to work on our carnal desires by having the lahir taqwa and the bazir taqwa, having the apparent taqwa and the inner taqwa itself. And then he said, فَلَا عَاقِبَةَ إِلَّا taqwa." He says, hence there is no ultimate bliss except through God consciousness. Right? We're looking for bliss, this is where you're going to find it. It says, وَلَا هُدَى إِلَّا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ And the guidance does not come but to those who are conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالتَّقْوَى عِبَارَةٌ عَنْ إِمْتِثَالِ أَوَامِلِ اللَّهِ وَإِرْتِنَابِ نَوَاهِهِ And now what is taqwa? What is like defined as taqwa? He mentions here, إِمْتِثَالِ أَوَامِلِ اللَّهِ Obeying and carrying out the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَإِرْتِنَابِ نَوَاهِهِ Right? And to remove yourself from those things which Allah has negated. Which Allah has said, do not do. Stay away from those actions. That is what taqwa is here. That's how he's defining it. Right? I'm going to make it really easy. You guys remember. Right? Very simple. Which is obeying the commands of Allah. And removing yourself away from the negative actions. Right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like. Those forbidden taboo actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want you getting involved in. This is what we should stay away from. These are of two types. He says uh, um, there are thus two parts of it and in what follows I will expound to you briefly the outward manifestation of God consciousness in both its parts. Inshallah. So now, now subhanAllah, we've, we just finished the introduction. Right? We just finished the introduction to the book, subhanAllah. And trust me, this is not even scratching the surface. This is a, this is a short, uh, small version I've given you guys of the introduction. I have my students downstairs ask them how long I gave them that, right? It was two and a half hours to get through half the book, half the introduction. SubhanAllah, the way that Imam Ghazali, the way he just shows you that a student of knowledge, this, you know, because you guys have a high, we all have a high rank in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we need to act like it. And we need to act like it. This learning knowledge, right, even though we don't want this responsibility, now you have gained this responsibility, right? Because people know you're coming to seek knowledge, you're, getting, you're going to these classes. Now, if we do something in our outward, which is not part of taqwa, people are going to point fingers at you. Right, people are going to point fingers at everyone sitting here. That if you're if you're going to this, and what's going to happen? Remember, he said that your teacher at the beginning he said what? Your teacher is aiding and assisting you in your in your uh, in your ma'asi, in your sinning. Because as soon as somebody points a finger at you, they're going to put the, they're going to put into two and two together. They're going to go right back to your ustad and teacher. Right. So always make sure that you have the lahir of taqwa and the balat. And I, I'm not saying don't, don't become a saint overnight. Right. That's like I'm not saying that. Everything takes time. Even the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, wine and, uh, and drinking did not become haram overnight. Until their iman and their, le- uh, their uh, faith was of that quality. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, okay, you know what? Now we're going to make uh, alcohol haram upon them. Right? inshallah. So now we're going to start the first one. Al-Qismul Awwal. Right? The first type. When it comes to, uh, 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 is, is this chapter about? Fitta'at. On obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are there any questions of the of the muqaddimah uh, or the introduction before we move along? Yeah, I think you made a tangent point. We were talking about like, um, about three things for something, and then the first one was recognize Allah, and the second one was ihsan, and the third one was... So the second one is ma'rifah, oh. to recognize Allah, and the third one is ihsan. Oh, okay. I see. So what's the first one? So the first one, ma'rifah means to recognize Allah. Yeah, right. All right. I talked about this before. Ma'rifah is such a thing that when you recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Because how are we supposed to recognize, how are we supposed to worship Allah without knowing who Allah is, right? If I were to sit here, or if anybody was feeling like, okay, you know, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If a, a person who is a non or a disbeliever asks you, who is Allah? 
How would we describe Allah is uh, Allah, right? That's <laughs> He's God. No. We need to be able to explain who our Lord is just how the prophets explain. Right? For what is the ayah in Surah, uh, in surah uh, Shu'ara, I believe? When Musa alayhi salam what is it after that? He, he didn't say Allah, right? What is what is Rabbul Alameen? He didn't say Allah, or you know, he's just God. He said, that who's my Lord? Allah. We should be bragging about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, subhanAllah, you should think about it like this, right? Whenever, whenever it says, whenever you know, we may have friends or something like that, you know, a lot if, if we're going through something in life, then by dude, like, you know, why is God putting you through all this? Why is God, you know, putting you to all the difficulties in life? You know, I truly believe that if we were to take our, uh, the back of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just like how we would take our homies back. If someone is talking bad about them, like, no, dude, like, this guy, he's awesome, dude. He's, he's an amazing guy. All right, he's, this is my Allah. What are you talking about? All right, this is my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? You can't say stuff about my, my Allah. Allah would truly cherish that. Allah would cherish that. Right? Allah, that would make Allah very, very happy. So he says, what? The, who is my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah is the Lord of the samawat. He is the Lord of the skies. Wal-ard and the earth. And that was between them. In kuntum Right? If you just were to have this conviction. And then, and then what he said, And then the people of Fir'aun, right? People of the Fir'aun and his vice giants, they were saying, Do you hear this guy? Right? Do you hear this guy? Did that stop him from explaining who his Lord was? He didn't just shy away like, oh, okay, you know, I guess I'll stop. No, he said, Now who else is Allah? He is your Lord and the Lord of your forefathers. And then he, and then that's, right? and, then he, and, then he, and, then, and then they start calling Musa alayhi salam crazy. Right? What did he say after that? Did he stop explaining who Allah is? What did he say after that for us? Yeah. He is the Lord of the East. In the West, وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا And that is which is between them. إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ Right? إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ And subhan, this really, this really pissed off Fir'aun. This really made him upset. Right? This really made him mad because now the conviction that he has and the way that he's talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, You're going to take another Lord beside me? I'm going to imprison you. Right? So subhanAllah. You see, if we were to talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like this, Right? We should be very proud that we are, we are Muslim, that we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Everybody say, Alhamdulillah, we're all Muslim. Right? Inshallah. And we stay steadfast upon our, you know, upon our yaqeen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is truly my Lord. And I'm going to, anytime somebody asks me, I'm going to brag that Allah is my Lord. And you have nothing to say about it. They will not, they will not say anything about it. Okay, inshallah. Actually, I want to mention one. Yeah, you had a question? Go ahead. Uh, before you begin, was it in the chapter? The uh, it's uh, uh, regarding disobedience. Uh, sorry, astaghfirullah. Obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It's regarding obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sorry for Yeah. No, no, no. Don't worry, inshallah. So I wanted to mention this one thing. You guys know the famous story when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi he's taking some rest and this Jew came out of nowhere and grabbed the sword of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi and he said, who's going to save you from me now? You guys heard the story? No. Subhan, it's such a beautiful story, subhanAllah. It's just like, this, uh, so the Rasulullah went to seek some shade underneath the tree. And now, one of these Jew, Jewish people, he came, he saw Rasulullah and he saw his, his sword hanging from, his, from a tree. So he took that sword, and he pointed it out at Rasulullah right? And he's like, who's going to save you from me now? Nobody was around. The Sahaba was somewhere else. And you know what Rasulullah's reply was? Allah. And not just a regular Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The amount of conviction he had behind, behind it and the amount of faith he had in Allah 
the Jew was paralyzed in fear, and he dropped the sword. He was completely paralyzed, and he dropped the sword. And the Rasulullah now he picks up the sword, and he's like, who's going to save you from me now? And he's like, dude, listen, man, I know you're a great guy. <laughs> he's, just like, no, he's just like, you know, yeah, you know please don't kill me. You know, if you, if you, I'll, tell, I'll tell my people good things about you. And then Rasulullah left him alone. SubhanAllah. Right? So you see, that's the amount of conviction we should have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So khayn, inshallah. Any other questions before we continue? Okay, khayn. So now we're starting the first chapter here. He says, Fit-ta'at, in regards uh, of the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How are we supposed to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Fit-ta'at. Ta'at comes from the word ta'at. To, obe- uh, to be obe- obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Allah mention in the Quran? Qul ati'u Allah wa ati'u Rasul. Right? Say, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ati'u Allah, obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa ati'u Rasul. And obey the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because if you're not obeying Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, automatically what's going to happen? You're not obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So now he says, I'lam. He starts off with I'lam. Understand very well. Know. Right? Know that the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pertain to obligatory involuntary 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 actions. Right? We have a fard, right? We have our we have our um uh Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, we have our fasting, and then there's nafil, there's nawafil as well, like the hajjud or like you know praying uh, ishraq and all these different types of things. So he's saying, فَالْفَرْضُ رَأْسُ الْمَالِ وَبِهِ تَحْسُنُ النَّجَاتِ He says the obligatory acts, they constitute the capital. Right? Imagine like he's talking about like a business here, right? He's like the obligatory acts constitute the capital by which salvation is, is, is attained, right? Now what do you say after that? وَالنَّفِلْ Now what is the nafil? هُوَ الْرِبْحِ It is that profit you're getting from your, uh, from your business. وَبِهِ أَلْفَوْزُ بِالْدَرَجَاتِ So with so with farah, you know, a lot of people, and you guys probably have these questions come up too, right? You have friends like, dude, can we just pray our farah? It'll be good. Like, we'll pray our five prayers and that's it, right? I'll be saved. This will gain you salvation. This will gain you salvation, but we should not settle for just salvation. He's saying with the nawafil and the sunnahs of the Prophet ﷺ, this is the profit, and this is the profit that you're getting. And not only that, will be al-fawz. It is you are gaining, uh, you're becoming successful, bid-darajat. You are now working up in the ranks of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are getting yourself higher and higher in the ranks of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what the nawafil and things do for our faraih, right? He says, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah says, qala Allahu azza wa jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so this is called a hadith qudsi. Right? A hadith qudsi is, is such a thing that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says it, but in reality, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying it. Right? Even though we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not speak from his everything from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it, when it's a hadith qudsi, it's saying, Qala Allahu azza wa jalla. Allah is saying this himself. Right? He says, Ma taqarraba ilayya mutaqarribuna bi mithli adai maftaratuhu alayhim. He says here that those who draw near to me do not draw near to me with anything better than the acts I have made obligatory upon them. You want to get close to Allah? Start off with your faraid. Start off there. I'm not saying end off there. Start off with your faraid. Because if our faraid, if our, you know, the core of everything is correct, then inshallah after that we build and our iman will become stronger and stronger and the level of our iman will increase higher and higher and higher. So he says, uh, yeah. And then he continues, he says, And a servant continues to draw near to me by voluntary acts of worship until I love him. And then, And when I love him, I become the hearing with which he hears. Then, I become the sight with which he sees. 
And I become what else the tongue with which he speaks. And I become the hand with which he strikes. Uh, and I become the foot with which he walks. So how would we explain this? I want you guys, I want you guys to be a little more engaged. So I'm not going to explain this. I want you guys to explain this. Who's going to explain this hadith? That how Rasulullah is mentioning here that if you get close to Allah through a person continues to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah is saying that he continues to get close to me through his nawafin until, until I love him. When I love him, I become the hearing with what he hears. How does that make sense? What he hears is what pleases Allah. Good, mashallah. So if you got that, you basically got the rest of the hadith, right? That whatever he is hearing, meaning if Allah dislikes something, he's not going to listen to it. Right? Because now you have the love between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why it's very important. The ulama give a lot of, uh, what's it called? Emphasis on doing dhikr and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do we even remember Allah that much? Right? We should be doing dhikr at every single, mo- given, uh, every single uh, moment given to us. Right? That the, that the lisan and the tongue of a mu'min should be moist with the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always. Right? Always remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what gets us close to Allah. Imagine just sitting there just... SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Wallahu Akbar. You're now drawing a relationship. Because you know, we only love people when we remember them on a constant basis, right? That's when we truly love people. If we're like, oh, and for example, if Fawaz is sitting here and one of his boys is not here, but he's like, hey, man, where's, where's my man? Like, Yo, where's he at? Where's my boy? I want him to be here with me, right? I, I, want him to be here, I want him to be here with me so we can learn this together, right? Or if anybody else, no matter who it is, right? When you, when you remember somebody on a constant basis, you have that love for them. So our love for Allah will only increase if we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? If we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Now he continues here. He says, He becomes the eyesight from which he sees. Right? He becomes the eyesight. Anything that you are going to see is going to be in conformity with, the, with, the, with, the, uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rulings. And then, وَلِسَانَهُ الَّذِي يَنْتِقُ بِهِ And Allah subhanahu becomes the tongue of which He speaks. How does that make sense? That He will not say anything bad. He will not curse. He will not say anything against anybody else. Right? This is a very big uh, common thing, you know, to hurt the rights of our brothers. You know, there's a hadith of Prophet that talks about this. Right? That says that it is more beloved for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you go, that the Kaaba be destroyed. If the Kaaba be destroyed, then you hurt another Muslim brother's rights. That you heard another Muslim, you heard another Muslim brother's rights. That shows that Allah Subhanahu holds such a high status for those believers, right? Yet we say stuff to our uh, our brothers all the time. We're beefing with everybody left and right. We always got an issue, right? There's always something wrong, right? Clear that beef, clear the slate. It's not worth it, because on the day of Qiyamah, he's gonna come after your sins and you're gonna come after his sins. What is the hadith that talks about it? The Rasulullah was asked, "Mani al-Muflis? Who is a poor person, right?" So Rasul, uh, so the Sahaba رضي الله عنهم, Ya Rasulullah, this person he has no dirham or no dinar, right? He has no uh, what's it called? He has no coins, no dirham or no gold coins. He's just a broke person. He has no money. And Rasulullah said, No, the poor person is that person. He's gonna come on the day of Yom Qiyamah with a mountain full of good deeds. So many good deeds he's gonna have, but he did not take care of the rights of the people. And what's gonna happen then? The, Allah is going to tell those people The people are going to line up Yeah Allah this guy back bit He did this He did that He did this He did that And so I wanted to mention One beautiful story About Hassan al-Basri Rahimullah ta'ala You know one time Somebody was backbiting About him right And he came to know about it He's like, uh, he's like um, 
one of his students came to him and said, you know, of Sheikh, this person is saying this about you. So you know what he said? He said, okay, come with me. He prepared a plate of dates and he gave it to them, to those people that are backbiting. He's like, thank you so much for giving me your sins. I'm, uh, for giving me your, uh, your good deeds. SubhanAllah. Thank you so much for giving me. If somebody backbited about us, hell no, we're not taking that. Like, there's no way. Where is this guy at? I'm going to pull up on him right now. Right? That's exactly what the attitude is. It's because this is what we have been taught from a young age. If we grew up, obviously we grew up in different different households, Desi households, but the thing is, is that if we grew up in such a way where Islam, the way that Islam, if it was in, in us properly, like the Sahaba who grew up with Islam, like Anas and Ibn Abbas right, these types of things, that we would never think of something like that, to harm another brother of ours. Right? We would never think of doing so. So that's what he's saying here. That when he said, and then getting back to the hadith of Prophet he mentions that now the people are going to line up and they're taking these good deeds. Like, okay, so either, uh, Allah is going to tell these people that now you start taking the good deeds of this person and putting it on yourself. And now these guys are all coming one by one, taking the good deeds from his pile over and over and over again. Until what happens? This mountain of good deeds is completely depleted. It's gone. It's over. But the people's rights are still not finished. And then what's going to happen? Allah is going to okay, you know what? Take your bad deeds and put it on him. Take your bad deeds and put it on him. And then what happens after that? He came with a mountain full of good deeds and he left with a mountain full of bad deeds. That's a poor person. So always watch what you're saying. Right? The tongue is a very, it's, it's a very dangerous thing. Right? It can lead us to so many bad places in life. So always guard your tongue. Right? It says, That we will never you know, walk towards anything bad if we are, have that taqwa and the batim taqwa that he mentioned earlier. Inshallah, I'm going to end off with this next line here. He says, وَلَن تَصِلَ أَيُّهَا الطَّالِبِ إِلَى الْقِيَامِ لِأَوَامِرِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى إِلَّا بِمَرَاقَبَةِ قَلْبِكَ وَجَوَارِحِكَ فِي لَحَظَاتِكَ وَالْنَفَاسِكَ مِنْ حِينَ تُمْسِي إِلَى حِينَ تُصْبِحَ And you, dear seeker, right, will not be able to rise to carry the commands of Allah Most High until you monitor your heart and limbs in your every moment and every breath from time to time you wake up, from the time you wake up to the time you sleep, right? We have to monitor our hearts all the time. Imam Ghazali, same person that we're doing his book, he says, become the king of your heart. Become the king of your heart. How is that? Because our heart is such a thing that it becomes so, it, it becomes so infected. It becomes, and I'm not talking about the heart, the physical heart itself. I'm talking about the spiritual heart, right? Our hal, our ruh, it becomes so infected by all these other types of things, right? And these deceptions of this dunya. And this is what he's having. If you do not monitor your heart, if you do not continuously monitor your heart, what's going to happen? In spiritual sense, it's going to fail. It's going to fail. And I'll give you an example, physical sense. If a doctor, if somebody has a heart problem, right, if the doctors don't monitor it, what's going to happen? His heart's going to fail. So he's saying it from a spiritual sense and a spiritual perspective that if you do not monitor your heart, not only that, your limbs, right? To, such, to what extent? He says, in your every moment, in every breath, right? From the time you wake up until the time you sleep. This is how a talib al-in should be. Right, that we're monitoring our schedule. And it's very, very important. And my teacher put a lot of emphasis on this. He said, always make a, uh, like a, check, like a, you know, a checkbook. Have a check, not, not actual checkbook. What is it called? Like a schedule you can, you can check off everything. Right? Checklist. Yeah. Checklist, yeah. A checklist, right? And make it from the beginning of, uh, from the time you wake up. Let's see, what time we, we should we even try to wake up? Try to wake up at the Hajjah time and see. Okay, the Hajjah's done. Quran after uh, Tahajjud done, Fajr done, and then right throughout the whole day. Have this checklist. Once you see that checklist is fully done, SubhanAllah, you'll be so happy. Alhamdulillah. And then at the end of the night, how do you keep yourself in check? 
you make muhasaba, right? You think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that what did I do to upset Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala today so I can seek istighfar from Allah and I can make tawbah to Allah, right? This is what you call muhasaba, keeping yourself into account, checking, your, checking yourself, making sure that we are in accounts with ourselves before we get into accounts with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's, the first, that, that's what he's saying here. You want to monitor yourself at night before you go to sleep? Yeah, what did I do to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala today? And look, you can look at your checklist, right? What did I do to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Ya Allah, I make tawbah, I make istighfar from ever, ever doing something like that. Right? And this is what's going to keep us in check. If you want to become a true student of knowledge, these are gems. I'm telling you, these are gems that you're not going to find very often. Imam Ghazali is a master of what he's talking about. Right? Read about Imam Ghazali, I can promise you, you're going to see where he's coming from. And he says, same thing, uh, and, then, uh, and then he says, yeah, so make sure you're always monitoring, monitoring yourself and your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at any given moment, any given time. Right? So inshallah we'll stop there because now he's starting on a whole he goes off here. Right? A lot. He just goes in. So inshallah we'll stop there. So Jazakallah khairan wa akhiru da'awana and alhamdulillah rabbil Any questions? Yeah, what's up? So, so you know about the hadith about the well, see, here Rasulullah is, is focusing on the positive, right? This is a, the big problem today that we never focus on the positives of people. The positive actions that people do. Here the Sahaba, obviously they were still learning. So this guy is drinking. Even though he has Iman, right? he has faith in Allah and he has faith in Rasulullah This is what Rasulullah is showing us here that look, just because that person is drinking does not mean he's the worst person in the world. Yeah, he has flaws, but we have flaws too. Right? We all have flaws. There's a saying, right? That he's saying that a person will notice the tree stump in his brother's eye, but he won't notice the, the, the dust particle in his own eye. That we are able to focus on so many other mistakes of people. And do you see the way that guy parked his car? Do you see the guy? Do you see the way he did this? Do you see the, how he makes such a mess in the bathroom when he makes wudu? Right? Focusing on everything else except ourselves. This is what he's teaching Rasulullah. That's what Rasulullah is teaching the Sahaba here. That yes, okay, he does drink, but he loves Allah and Rasulullah. And eventually, if he builds that love for Allah and Rasul, eventually he'll get away from that sin. Right? And this is what draws people closer. You know, this is very important for all of you guys here because a lot of times what happens when people are fresh into seeking knowledge, uh, it kind of becomes, we, we kind of become everybody's haram police. Right? Haram police. Like, oh, dude, you're doing, what, what the hell are you doing, bro? Like, you can't do that. Stop for a lot, dude. You're going to, you're going to hell. Like, you, can't, you cannot do that. Right? We cannot do that under any circumstance because that's what draws people away. That's what's going to keep people away from Islam. So here, this is a beautiful example here that look, even though he's not praying, or like, you know, more practical. Even we might have friends that drink as well. Even if somebody is drinking or, pr or not praying or doing whatever he's got to do, look at the positive qualities and focus on that, right? And don't ever make him feel bad about it. Like, dude, you have such good qualities, right? You have such good qualities, mashallah. And that, because of, your, because of your response to him, right? Because he might get closer to Islam, right? So this is a great question, mashallah. Is there, is there any, like, you have more? Just on that, so that's, that's a Although he was so close to the Prophet, uh, we have that weakness of this particular problem that we mm -hmm. have. How do we combat those kinds of weaknesses today? That people, that we're talking about like weaknesses that we have in ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, that
like, you know, how would we be able to combat these problems that we have in ourselves? Like, for example, if we, you're talking about, like, if we have a certain problem. Look, look if your brother has an alcohol addiction. Uh, alcohol addiction. So are you talking about from a perspective, like, if, like, a person themselves has a problem, or if, like, you as a student of knowledge have a friend? Of the person themselves. Of the person themselves. Yeah. Oh, okay. The first thing is, uh, we talked about this, right? We are, the first thing you need to do is accept that you have a mistake. Accept that you're doing it wrong. First is acceptance. You have to accept it that, okay, I'm committing a sin, right? And then th the second thing is to work on it, right? That, what does the hadith, uh, the hadith of Qudsi mention? That, man taqarraba ilayya shibran, taqarrabtu ilayhi dira'a. Whosoever comes to me, a handsman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will stretch his arm out for him. That right there, the fact that he even accepted that I'm making a mistake, that's his first turning point. That's his first turning point back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now when he works on himself, and there's going to be tests when a person, obviously if a person is dealing with an addiction, right, obviously there's going to be times where he wants to do it. But he wants to do it. But if he has, you know, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to stop and I want to stop, right? And he has his hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, eventually one day he'll come out of that sin. Even if it takes a little bit of a while. Because even some Sahaba, like you mentioned, even they weren't able to just stop right away. Because the, the quality of their iman. Their quality of iman has to build up first before that. Is clear, inshallah? Is it? Any other questions? Yeah, what's up? So you were saying something about like praying something gets your salvation. What else were you saying after that? That first point. Oh, you're talking about how prayer will get you salvation. And something else like. But the nawafid, the you know the voluntary acts is going to gain you uh, the the rankings in the darajat. It's gonna it's gonna up your ranking in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Regarding sunnah. I'm talking about sunnahs, nawafid, right? Things which are you know sunnah is actually sunnah. If, actually, this is something. If we miss out a sunnah, we get a sin for it. It's not as severe as missing a uh, as a fard or a wajib, but if we miss out a sunnah, we do get a sin for it. Right, so keep that in mind. And a lot, enough of something which is, is voluntary. Right, let's say now if I don't if I don't pray my four kinds of sunnah before Dhuhr, I'm gonna be sinful that I'm leaving out the sunnah of Rasulullah because Allah says Rasul, right? Follow Allah and follow His Messenger. And because you know these kind of things that if we are now neglecting the sunnah of Rasulullah then obviously that is going to have some type of it's going to hinder our relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Right, it's going to have something. So we try our best. To do not complete the sunnahs, but try to do nafil acts as well. All right. Any other questions? Anyone, inshallah.